is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Yeah, rolling along, Brock. I was saying that uh, this Mariner team has got to be the strangest team I've ever watched. They really are. And they win again last night. It was nice to see they had one really good offensive inning, right, where they scored five runs. There were some other frustrating ones in there. And, you know, nice to see Tay Oscar hit a home run to go with his strikeouts. And I know, thank you. Thank you for keeping me appraised of where he's at on his strikeout to walk ratio. It's helpful. I, I like to know at all times exactly where Tao is on the strikeout to walk ratio thing. Hey, bro, when you're in, in major league record breaking, yep. you're going to hear it. Okay? No, thank gonna, you. are going to hear about Bryce Miller today. I, I you're really, going to hear about Tao. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I want to know at all times exactly where he is in the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Okay. So thank I'll you for keeping that updated. Season. You bet. Really, really appreciate <laughs> that. But the strangest thing about watching this team is that it literally feels like you're watching two teams at once. Does that make sense? Yes. And I can't tell you I've ever had that feeling with a baseball team quite like this. On you one hand... you had that feeling with football teams. Yes. You've had that feeling with football teams. Because they're you've, two completely watched- different teams. Yes, and you've watched teams that have had just unbelievably dominant offenses and can't stop anybody or unbelievably dominant defenses and then can't score a point. Seahawks, early 90s. Dave Wyman, shout out to you. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you've seen it in football, but you t- typically, you're right, you don't see it quite as much it's in not, this game. It's not even just, Brock, the difference between the pitching and the hitting. It's not even just that, although obviously that is a, a clear example of some of the divergence here, but okay. it's not just that. It's like I'm watching the game yesterday, and there are moments where I just want to whip my remote right through the television. And other moments where I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you're looking for. And it, I know that baseball is not going to be consistent all the time, every at bat. Like, I, I think I've got a pretty good understanding of how to watch a season. I've done it for a long time and not to get yeah. too caught up in the highs and lows. But, I mean, I'm watching in the second inning, and Haggerty's up, bases loaded, one out. 2-0 pitch, a foot outside, and he pops it up. I want to kill him. What are you doing? I understand baseball's hard. I understand that the pitchers are all filthy. Like, I get it. But my God, man, the guy just walked the dude before you. He's 2-0. You're in a spot where you just need to put the ball in play or take a walk. You're the number nine hitter in this order. Let it, you know, get back around to the top. He's thrown you ball three, and you're swinging and getting yourself out with a pop-up. I want to kill somebody. On the other hand, watching the same game, the same team, I see two innings later as everybody did it right, and Julio goes to right field, and Haggerty ends up taking the you know two run double with rips it down the left field two line, count, by the way. right? Yep. And I, and I'm watching Bryce Miller yesterday, and just how ridiculously good this rotation can be when he's pitching like that. I mean, the dude's unbelievable right now. It feels like I am at times watching two teams at the same time. And, and some of that is obviously the heightened expectations, too. I mean, I just don't think there's any question that some of that is coming off of last season, mm. where many times they did, you know, they were, you look at the numbers offensively, it's, it wasn't as if they were earth shattering last year, but they did in those moments so many of the right things, right? When, when they got those bases loaded and it was Haggerty, right? I mean, it was just, they had to do that last year and that got them over the hump. So I think it's also tied to some of the expectation level and when you have a historic run here with your starting pitching and what they are doing and yet another quality start now leading all of baseball with 27 of them 
and rattling through Bryce Miller's numbers. I mean, it is <laughs> – we, we saw him, right? I mean, we, we watched him in, in spring training. We we're, were sitting there. I, I can remember Mora was sitting next to me as we watched his first outing. It's just mm-hmm. the pop of the glove. Wow. This guy throws hard, too. Yeah, it's like just a natural snap, right, yes, every time he like, hits that glove. Man, they've got some creatures. And Tito says to you, man – this Mariners team's got some arms from the Blue Lagoon. I mean, where they just continue to find them and just deliver. So we knew he had a chance to be special. But this is, I mean, this is stuff that's never been done in baseball. Yeah. And what did you retweet? Thanks to the Mariners, a 0.51 whip through five point, starts. He essentially has a .5 whip. He's giving up half a runner an inning. It's Every just, other inning, he's giving up a base runner. That, that's, that's, I mean, again, if your whip is under one, you're an all-star and one of the better pitchers in baseball. Right, I mean, you're you're probably yes. that if your whip is one, you probably are the best pitcher in baseball, or right there, right along there near it. His whip is half; <laughs> it's half half a runner an inning. Oh my gosh! And yeah, two of the starts have been against the A's, but not all of them. One's been against the Astros. One has been against the Braves. Those are yep. two playoff teams in all likelihood, and certainly were last year. The others against yep. Detroit, who's not great but can hit a little bit, and so I don't know, like. I, 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 I'm certainly taking that seriously. Dude, it's been unbelievable. And he'll have his next one at home against the Yankees. That'll be another interesting test for him, I'm sure, seeing that uh-huh. that team and that uniform and everything that kind of goes with the Yankee mystique. But he doesn't seem to be affected by much. No, he does not. His command is off the charts. Say, hey, by the way, quick shout-out this morning mm. uh, to all of my fishermen friends out there, including Captain Tom and Tommy. Okay. Uh, the Puget Sound spot prawn season, as you oh, know. Spot prawns. Open f- oh, yeah, not just shrimp. These are spot prawns. So if you've got friends, uh, Justin, Mora, Salk, if you've got friends that are you know fishermen yeah. and are out on the water today, this is the day you want to have a friend Okay. because these these are the big old spot prawns. So only open 9 to 1. Tom, Tommy, you're out there. Go crush it. Okay. Just a little morning shout-out to those Appreciate guys. that. That's just uh, like a morning, good. just like a morning shout out to Bryce Miller. Did you? And a morning uh, did you, shout out to the rest of the. Did boys. you enjoy? Uh, I was on a text thread last night with Brock and Passen. Did you enjoy the uh, comp text? It was a little. That we had it was a little on? much. It was I'm a not little much, wasn't it? <laughs> it? Got to be just a little. When we're, when we're talking torso tilting, I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of usually into this, but I don't know. I wasn't quite you into be the right mood. Up your alley, Brock. I know. I know. I think. It was because I just got done training the the baseball boys. Oh, okay. and, yeah, and you know I was a, you know and I got in after it. I, I kind of jumped in with some of them and and pushed them a little maybe too hard. So maybe oh. I was a little out of gas because right. you're right. It usually is. Well, you know what, uh, Mike? I'm sorry. I don't see that because of the torso tilt and the spine <laughs> angle. His, his arm delivery is going to be a little bit more over the top. I was working on comps for everyone in the Mariner rotation yesterday. I don't know whether I have it all down, but here's sort of where I'm at. Uh, let's see. For Luis Castillo, I think I've made it clear. Pedro. That's the comp. Now, again, that doesn't mean he's as good as Pedro, but Luis Castillo's style, the body type's a little bit different, of course, but just his yep. his repertoire to me, I, when I watch him, I see some Pedro. And a little Felix, too. I will say there's a little bit of Felix to what you get out of Luis Castillo. Agreed. George Kirby. Now, I was saying Brett Saberhagen just because of the command, right, the command of that fastball. There's probably some other folks who who would go into that uh, You've said Mark Pryor before. And both, yeah, Pryor's you know, the other one. Yep, yep. I think Scott and Jerry both did not poo-poo that. Just the ease with which he throws. The repeatability, yep. the ease. How does 96, 97 come out? How do you have that much command yep. with that much velo, too? Pretty special. So put put those two together for uh, for George Kirby. 
for Logan Gilbert. Logan's a tough one, right? Because he's all arms. He's he's gangly. He's unique. Comes at you from a funky angle. So let me let me try to combine three guys together oh, to give you boy. Logan Gilbert. Okay, follow along. One El Duque. Arms crazy. You know, he had the weird long. delivery and yeah, stuff. El Duque yep. wasn't quite as tall, but all right, long and kind of gangly, right? Uh-huh. So give me El Duque. Give me A.J. Burnett for the height and the long arms and, yeah. and sort of just nasty, raw stuff. And Justin threw another name into this mix that I think is an interesting one. It's hard because he's a lefty, but kind of flip it around and think a little Dontro Willis. Hmm. I like that because of some of the like side angle he'll like right the way the arm would come at you big and long from the side. I thought that was actually kind it of an interesting. Like spaghetti, one. yeah. So put those three guys together, right? And I think that you've got a little Logan Gilbert, and that's about right. I mean, Logan is pretty pretty eccentric, right. not easy to define. Right. So you kind of need a lot. He's a of little different... bit lefty. He's yes. a little bit yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there's your Logan Gilbert, and then for Bryce Miller, I know we've talked about Spencer Strider as being one. Let me go back in the past because this was the name that jumped out to me as I was watching him yesterday, and that's Roy Oswalt. Maybe it's the Texan thing, and Oswalt was a you know played for Houston at the time. He he's a little taller than Oswalt, but yeah. that same sort of long stride and the way he's coming downhill at you. The, the slider versus curveball is a little bit different. They're not exactly the same. No. But when I watch him, I don't know for some reason that was the name that was jumping out to me yesterday with some Roy Oswalt. Yeah, and if you're curious, that's where the torso tilt right. came from. Yeah, <laughs> so Roy had a little more torso tilt, so it put his arm angle a I little went different. Back and watch some Roy Oswalt highlights last <laughs> yes. night. Like, did you watch any? Did, did it did it spawn you to watch any Roy Oswalt? No, uh uh-uh. uh. Sorry, I apologize. You should go watch. Just do a little YouTube search, you know, here in the break. Yeah, that watch dude a minute had some below as well. That dude had, that dude had some below. He's a little too. guy who yep. pumped it up with his fastball and had yep. that same sort of like long. long stride that I think sort of gives you a little bit of that rising effect to the fastball. Gosh, so it's crazy. Yeah. He is just so fun to watch. This rotation is so fun to watch. And then, you know what? When they score enough runs, guess what? They win. Yeah. And they win. And they win. And they're a game over 500. And they're doing what you're supposed to do and take care of a very bad Oakland baseball mm-hmm. team. All right. Which, was all, which is all we wanted, right? You wanted them to close the gap. You want to come home before Memorial Day. This is a 7-3 and three homestand. It starts by sweeping away these A's. I'll have a chance to do that tonight. And, yeah, Bryce Miller has been just Filthy. He really has. All right. If you guys have any other comps or you want to disagree with any of those, you can text him in 866-979-3776. If you've got other pitching comps for these Mariners, give us a text. That is the Mac and Jack's text line. People saying you missed Randy Johnson on Logan. No, I don't see that. Sorry. The extension, maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't see that. Uh, you missed uh, Dragmatics on Kirby. Yeah, he's got the command, but he just throws so much harder that it's hard for me to yep. put Greg Maddox in that category. Uh, you missed... Maybe it's the mustache, but I see Randy Johnson. You just can't see Randy Johnson with everybody, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I know he's the best pitcher in Mariner history, but just try to think beyond that because I don't I don't see that at all. That that one doesn't work for me. 866-979-3776. We'll be right back with everything you need to know here on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. 
Well, on Monday night, it was the home run ball. Last night, it was just a matter of keeping the line moving. Mariners did that in the fourth. They just kind of overwhelmed the A's for five runs. There's only one extra base hit. Sam Haggerty doing that with a big two-run double. And then Julio Brock, you have to love this. Not only did he keep the line moving, but he did it by going the other way. The pitch to Julio, swinging a ground ball through the right side for a base hit. Haggerty will score from third. J.P. down to second. Off of the ball is Brown. The throw to third. Cut off by the shortstop, Diaz. Julio Rodriguez with a base hit the other way, scoring Haggerty easily, and it's now the Mariners four and the A's nothing, and the merry-go-round continues of runs and base hits. Yeah, it was really nice to see him do that and go to right field and come up in a bigger spot and actually deliver. Beyond that, Bryce Miller show, man, the kid's legit. He's got a whip of .511 through his first five starts, the best in Major League history. Yeah, and I think a reminder there, what is whip? I think, well, is his arm whipping? What What is whip? Walks and hitters per inning pitched. So that, that tells you that his command, and I think that that has been the most surprising. I just watching him this spring and, and seeing his stuff and hearing from Jerry that he's got one of the best fastballs in the entire minor league system. It continues to be that way. Uh, as Angie Mentik was talking about, the spin rate on that fastball is just off the charts, but it's a command. I mean, he is not walking people. And you could see, even when he got to a 3-1 count last night, he's like, oh, so mad that I got to a 3-1 count. And then he comes and still delivers. I mean, it is three walks in five starts. It's crazy. 28 strikeouts to three walks. Just just unheard of stuff. And I understand why that text toy is saying Randy Johnson, because that's the last one really that's been this dominant. With that kind of flair, that kind of stuff, that kind of mullet, that kind of mustache. He just does it from the right side. Well, it's been pretty fun, man. They are now two games over 500. They're still six back at Texas, who beat Pittsburgh last night. Of course, the Pirates are coming in. I know, yeah. Pirates coming in town uh, starting tomorrow. You got one more left with the A's. Chance for a rare four-game sweep. It'll be Logan Gilbert against the lefty, J.P. Sears. They have done a little damage against lefties so far in this series, so hopefully that's a sign of more things to come. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, another practice yesterday for the Seahawks. Not open to the media, so we can't give you an attendance report or anything like that. But I'm going to be there today. Morris said she's going to be there today as we watch them uh, wrap up their final round here, of, or their final OTA in this round. Eyes on for me, Brock. Dre Jones, since we were talking about him uh, yesterday, as maybe being the most irreplaceable Seahawk. Daryl Taylor, is he there? And if so, what does he look like with some folks coming after his job? The quarterbacks. Yeah, what does Geno look like actually running the show at this point and really having command now into his second year as the starter? And how about those two first-rounders? Are they going to be out there doing their thing more and more as we get closer and closer? Well, based on a little video that the Seahawks put out yesterday on a few of those rookies, it looked like Devin Witherspoon was doing a little bit more, and he was flying around the field as well. And, yeah, he just has – it's, it's going to stick with me because played against Troy Polamalu, I, I know exactly what Pete Carroll is talking about when he channels Troy Polamalu. It's not the hair. He doesn't play safety. It is just the spirit with which he plays. It's, it's just the the feel for the ball. It's just understanding. You know, I, I was listening to, actually, of all people, LeBron talk about Jokic after uh, the Nuggets swept him away, and he just said he sees things before they happen. Mm-hmm. And Troy Polamalu could do that. He didn't just take risks. He didn't just jump routes. He had an anticipation of seeing things before they happened. And let's play the game at a different level. Let's hope you see a little bit out of the rookie, Devin Witherspoon, today. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. Let's come back to the Mariners. A couple things to watch. One, uh, A.J. Pollock came out of that game yesterday. Felt a little something on the stolen base. Gino Suarez came out of that game late. He was hit in the foot or ankle while he was in the on-deck circle because Julio was a little late in the swing. Those are just things worth at least watching on. It sounds like there's a chance Ty France could play as soon as today. Don't know that I love that. I think I kind of, I mean, I'm glad he's healthy enough, but I think I'd like it to kind of just wait as long as possible. I wouldn't even mind just a 10-day IL stint. Just give him time to just be 100% healed. And then I don't know if you saw this yesterday. It's a minor move and it might mean nothing, but couldn't help but notice the Mariners signed catcher Pedro Severino. Veteran guy, been around the game a while, been in the big leagues up and down over the years. They sign him. He goes to Tacoma. An upgrade over, I guess, either Nottingham or O'Keefe, who are your two catchers right now in AAA. I don't know that it means anything about Cal Raleigh's neck or, or Tom Murphy's performance, but I saw it and at least just sort of raised my eyebrows yesterday. Well, the good news on Ty France is it wasn't wrist. And don't we have a better name for the fat padding, you know, right there on your, I, there should be, I feel like there should be a name for that area underneath your thumb. And he was right. Like if it's an inch either way, probably breaks his thumb, right. an inch the other way, he breaks his wrist. Uh, the fact that thankfully it hits some of that padding, some of that little soft tissue there to me is, is good news because I really do think Mike, after last year and everything he endured with his wrist, if it was significant, if it was there, he'd have been put on the 10 day IL. It wasn't, and uh, let's hope the Mariners and Ty catch a good break because of it. I hope so. All right, that's everything you need to know. Do that quarter past every hour. So he had a wrist injury last year? I just want to check on that. I'd heard some stories, and I wasn't sure whether they were true or not. I think he did. Kind of want to go through that. It sort of seemed like he did. Uh, Dylan Moore may be coming back here sooner rather than later. Uh, any, you know what, man? You are just a beauty. I try. Sometimes. Yeah, you know I try. Yeah. You really are try. just a beauty. Well, when you say things like that, I imagine the tens of thousands driving around, just like, oh, Salk. Yeah. Okay, let it go. You no. were, okay? You were right. Okay, Salk. No, probably not gonna let it go. <laughs> I keep grudges. I got grudges from you know decades ago. Like, you Would think you be surprised to know that he brought it up at 6.30 as well? <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, yeah. interesting, huh? Not the first time. First time for you, but second maybe, time for Maybe us need so. to know next hour. We'll hear it again, too. You think I'm done? <laughs> My credibility was Sox. attacked last year Sox. when it came to Ty France. Definitely going to let that one go. I can by see the way, it. No, I don't think so. Hey, by the way, how good did that Moto Pizza look? When Angie and Goldie were. I, I, all right, cool. so so what do you know about Moto Pizza? Because I have it. I have. I have to. I wanted it. Justin had told Justin, when did you tell me about Moto oh, Pizza? I mean, I'd ordered it in November and right. rather than March. So. Right. Justin, when oh. he finally got it in March, was like, dude, you got to check this out. Yeah. It's this Detroit style pizza. And I like Detroit style pizza. You brought me your friend Derek's, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I tried the one over in Ballard. Sunny Hill? Sunny Hill. Yeah, kind of okay. North Ballard. Uh, Not quite Detroit. It's square, but it's Square, yeah. but it's in the same vein, it's I would close. say, certainly. So when I heard about the Moto Pizza, I was pretty darn excited. So, yeah. Uh, sometime a few months ago, Heather and I made an order. We have four pizzas coming on July 28th. <laughs> so I'll get to try it in another two months. What? Well, the good yeah. news is the pizzas you ordered are not pizzas that are offered at the stadium. So you're going right. to get a different experience. So if yes. you were to get some at the stadium, yes. they had to keep it simple. It's the only way they could it make so many. It looks so good, doesn't it? Oh. Yeah. The way it gets oh. crispy on the edges Perfect. and then like, huh? 
perfect. It does look pretty perfect. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a review July 29th when I come in. <laughs> Is that Earth Day, too? I Maybe. Like yeah, we'll be ranking Earth Day on that day as well. All right, coming up next, DK Metcalf had a lot to say yesterday. Brock has some, uh, some reaction. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. It is Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Got a text saying this Moto Pizza thing is ridiculous. But we also signed up for their two to three month pizza. Low and slow, baby. So, yeah. All right. We, uh, we'll see where that goes. I'll give you an update sometime in July when I'm finally able to try it. Brock, I want to uh, play you some DK Metcalf sound that I know you'll have uh, some thoughts on before we get there. This, a little, I missed this yesterday. Thank you to Justin Amora for pointing it out to me uh, on email and then again this morning because I, I don't know how this escaped me yesterday. Ty France's wrist? No, I was oh. on that. Oh, gosh. Did you see uh, what number Artie Burns got? Oh, I did. I had missed this. I, I don't know how I missed all of this I'm conversation furious. yesterday. I am furious. So they gave, it. before we get to the reaction, Artie Burns was given number three. Mm. Was given number three to wear this year. Nobody wore it last year, right? He's wearing number three. How do you feel about that? Drew Locke even changed to number two. Right. Who do you think you are, Artie Burns? <laughs> So you're mad at Artie Burns? Who do you think you right, are? You're now being ridiculous, and obviously what you're joking. have you done in this league, son, <laughs> to think you can wear that number? Who? I, I'm starting to – my blood's mm-hmm. boiling like it mm-hmm. did with Jamal last week. I am so Serious mad. question. Stop it. You're obviously not <laughs> boiling. Serious question. Should the Seahawks give out number three to anybody, Artie Burns or anybody else? While Russell is still playing, Yes. Yeah, I think while Russell is still playing and, and he wanted to he wanted out and he wanted to go do his thing elsewhere, maybe when it's all said and done years from now, maybe not. Maybe he's he goes up in the rafters, but for the time being, I've got no problem with it. And, and if anything, honestly, I got kind of tongue-in-cheek there with Artie, but like, yeah, of course, the Miami guy, the U, is going to be, yeah, I'll wear number three. I don't care about Russell Wilson. <laughs> you know, do we get to play him? Do I get to pick him? You know, that's kind of the way corners think anyway, so... Yeah, I think while he's playing, I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm as, I'm as, you know, I was accused last year of spending too much time attacking Russ and all that. I don't know, man. I don't think I would give out number three. Really? Now, granted, you're giving it to a guy that is not going to be like if you'd given it to Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I'd have a much bigger problem. He's definitely going to be on the team. If as the number five overall pick, he ends up being a, an all-time great for you, which is not like out of the question for somebody drafted that high. Now, all of a sudden, two of the greatest players in your history are wearing the same number. I don't know. I, I, I get a little, I, 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 it's better that it's Artie Burns, who in all likelihood isn't even going to be here when the season starts. Uh-huh. But I just, I don't know. I think I would have stayed away from it if I was the Seahawks. However... You know, that can lead to to very interesting moments. Arguably, the greatest sports moment of my childhood took place because of that exact scenario. Arguably, and I'll say that again, I really do mean it. Arguably, the greatest moment of my sports childhood mm. took place because of this exact scenario. Well, this has either got to be something Red Sox, Yankees, nope. Manny, or nope. it's got to be a hockey. It's a hockey thing. Yeah, so I, hockey I'll thing. give you the example, and, and it may not mean as much to you, but I will tell you it was probably the most meaningful thing I've ever seen in a game or before a game. Hmm. 
Uh, Ray Bork, my favorite player when I was a kid. I know I've told you before about how much I loved and respect Ray Bork. When he was a you know top draft pick and he was always supposed to be a great player, was given number seven by the Bruins and wore number seven in the early part of his career. Well, I don't know, five, six, ten years into his career, whatever it was, it was sometime in their mid-80s. Uh, the Bruins decided they were finally going to acknowledge and retire Phil Esposito's number. Well, Phil Esposito, who's one of the all-time great centers, the big bad Bruins and this and that, wore number seven. Mm. And they were going to retire his jersey and said, Ray, you can keep wearing it, and one day we'll just maybe have two number sevens hanging in the rafters. That's just how it'll go. So Ray's there, and and they they have the big unveiling that day before, you know, that that game before the game started. And when they started to raise his his number to the rafters there, Ray, and no one knew it was coming. The only people who knew it was coming were Ray Bork and the person who made the sweater. Nobody else knew, as far as I know. Camera guys, like, no one knew. Mm. Espo didn't know. Teammates didn't know. Right before they raised the rafter, Ray takes off his number seven to reveal a number 77 and said no one will ever wear number seven for the Bruins wow. again. It is one of the coolest things I've ever seen done by a, a an athlete, professional athlete. I get the chills, honestly, just, I just thinking got the about chills it. And I didn't even have any background. With Doesn't that it whatsoever. just show you what hockey's all about, though? That's like pretty cool. none of this, like yeah, I'll take your number three. Yeah, let's go. It's instead, it's like uh, I'll give up my jersey and never wear it again because of the unbelievable respect I have for you. Yeah, I'm try- pretty I think, cool. I think my memory's right on this. I don't know for sure. It's been like 20 years, but I think it's right that when Jerry Rice, bless his heart, came to the Seahawks mm-hmm. at the very end, he's right. You know, in the cornrows. Didn't were somebody like, have number eighty? Well, number eighty was Steve Largent now. Oh, Hall that's Famer, true. Right? Yeah, kind of a kind of a big deal. Yeah, and yeah. They just kind of, I think, worked it out. If my memory's right, did I he think wear eighty? I think he did, and it was a it was a respect thing, right? Just a gentleman's absolute couple hall. Right. Of there's only a couple of people who Steve Largent's is like. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to wear eighty? Yes. You got my permission. Yeah. You're the goat. You probably I th- I, again. Chance. I may be wrong on wow. that. Wow. But I think he did get to where we'll have to go check. All right, I'll, I'll go check yeah, that. Let me play good. you some DK Metcalf here. Uh, this was yesterday on where was this? Where was DK Metcalf? He went on Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and uh, Skip Bayless. Thank you very much. Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Surprisingly, I was not watching that yesterday, but we do have some sound. Uh, here is DK uh, talking about leadership and maybe some of the places uh, where he learned a thing or two last year. Um, I think I tried to do it too much last year. Okay. I kind of tried to mimic too much of Bobby and Russ when, you know, I'm, I'm me. I, I can't mimic them right. uh, and what they've established or built the foundation for 10 years there. So I think I got caught up in trying to be too much of a vocal leader. Oh, okay. And it, That's you know, not who you are, no, though. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm a leader by example. I right. go out there and I work hard. And, you know, if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me. Or if you're not, you're going to get left, left by the wayside. Okay. So I think this, toward the end of last year, I just shove and just start playing football. And this year when I flew back up to Seattle and started training with the rookies and started training with the team, that's all I did was just shut up and just start working and showed mm-hmm. people how I worked. And, I mean, it, it just turned out way better for me this time uh, than it did last year. That can explain to a degree. Remember how emotional he was at times? I mean, he just would lose his mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pete kind of defended him almost, I think, with us, right? Because I, I think we had talked about, hey, man, there, there's a line that you just you can't cross. You can't start hurting your team. With these sportsmen like penalties, you can't be in the Jalen Ramsey's business so much that you are out of your mind. You're just seeing red with total rage. That would kind of help explain some of it to me. That when you're trying to be something you're not, then, you know, I think you get to that level easier rather than, you know what? 
let, let me just be me. And I also think it helps tremendously <laughs> that Geno's a quarterback, right? Like, I mean, you lose Bobby, you lose Russ. Like, it's a rebuild year. I mean, who is your star? Who's your difference maker? All of the conversation we had the entire offseason, right? Who is it going to be Tyler Lockett? Is it going to be DK? Where is that leadership going? Nope. It, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. Gino and, and Gino, by the way, also, well, I think and, he had to and, learn a little bit. Bobby on how to back leave. also, right? I mean, like you put yep. Bobby back in the building and Quandre steps in with a little bit. And yes, Gino Smith as well. There's no more leadership vacuum. Correct. Right. And that's not to say that things are going to be exactly the same and that there aren't some new leaders on the team. But last year, it felt like it was a vacuum waiting for people to step up into it. And I don't say that as a bad thing. Just yep. Russ and Bobby are both gone. What is this going to look like? No one knows who the quarterback is. You fast forward a year. It's, things are just a little more settled. Boy, and it sure feels like Gino nailed that from the beginning. Yeah. Now, he, he says internally he had to kind of learn some things and. And he had to grow in that way, and he had to be who he was and not try to be Russell or any of that. But that was probably, hmm. man, of all of the super pleasant surprises of the 2022 season, and it happened, you know, Monday Night Football with Lisa Salters, week number one right there. A moment after that game to to have a little bit of pride, a moment to puff your chest, a moment to make it about you, and he didn't, you know, and that was the whole haters, and I didn't write him back. And from that moment forward, every single press conference, you felt his leadership grow, and I think that's a great thing. I don't know how many teams have been led through the years by by wide receivers. I mean, I just, you know, I, I played with Jerry. It, it just it, tends to be a volatile position. Uh, very, very, because it's a totally dependent position mm-hmm. on the line doing their job, on the quarterback doing his job, on the coverage, you know, reacting in a way where, you know, you get the opportunities. And that's not to say that the T.O.s and the Michael Irvins and the different guys have not had a voice and have not been charismatic. But as far as leading your football team, You'd really prefer, I think, what you're going to have here in 23, and that's your quarterback, and that's your middle linebacker, and your green dot, and we'll move forward with that. And I think DK is just fine. A little curious what that looks like on this offensive line, and that's sort of the other spot that I think you tend to look at and say, okay, leaders can come from that position, right? Maybe it's a little bit different, but maybe some of that personality of the team. It's one thing I don't know that we found out much about last year, with especially those two rookies. I think we know Charles Cross can play in this league. I think we know Abe Lucas can play in this league. Yep. I'm a little curious what, what their personalities will be. We haven't seen much of it yet. Yeah, I don't think either of those guys will ever be Robbie Tobeck. I don't think either of those guys no, will ever be No, and I don't Max expect Unger, them to be. Right. I don't think either of those guys will be, oh, uh, who's who's the big left tackle that uh, is with the Dwayne Jets? Brown. Now? Dwayne Brown, right? I, I don't think that's just their – that's just not their, their nature. Even when Abe was the most dominant player at Wazoo, that was not his nature. Yeah. That's not – that's, I wonder who it is on that offensive line. And and that's sort of a question I don't know that we, you know, I don't know Phil, I don't know anything about Phil Haynes and his personality. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I don't know anything about Damian Lewis and kind of who he's about. Mm-hmm. Evan Brown is new. You got some competition at the center spot. Yep. Just kind of wonder who, who leads that group. Maybe it's something we'll be able to find out over the course of the next few months and, and into training camp. By the way, uh, DK making big headlines. You remember last year when he gave his diet, like I mean, what he eats in a day. And it was like, oh, I eat nothing for a while. Then I drink a ton of coffee and then I slam candy all night. You're like, what? Uh, so he uh, said that that has changed a little bit recently. Oh. It's crazy because after that, after that, I did change. Okay, see, I got it, I got it, y'all, I got it. I don't eat as much candy as I used to. Uh, I still dabble a little bit, though. Right. <laughs> you can't cut it all out at one time, but uh, I, I still eat a little bit. Well, you are burning it off. He's dabbling in candy, Brock. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember, I think it was just one meal a day. Right, it was one meal a day. It was like nothing, 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 a lot of water, a lot of of coffee, and then just a ton of sugar. I assume there had to be some kind of shake in there that he wasn't Mm. counting early on. Has to be.
has to but be. But the way he works out, there's no way you could just eat one meal. Do you see DK out there the other day? Yeah. How do you look? I'm the same. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> it you, really is absurd. When you see like all of these physical freaks, and honestly, I say it with, with great admiration and all the best intentions. Those guys are physical freaks out there. Do you remember? And we, among we, those physical freaks, yeah. DK is so much more physically freaky than any of the rest of them. Yes. It really, like, you, you, you can't take your eyes off them sometimes. Well, i got Pete Carroll to take his shirt off. It's true. I mean, that, that is how. What doesn't? <laughs> that is how crazy he <laughs> what was. What doesn't? And the, Pete, the Pete had to, you know, show off his plant-based turn, and he had to whip his shirt off yeah. in the combine to try to keep up with DK. Yeah, what a great move that was on Pete's part. Like, it just totally is going to stick forever, <laughs> and just the way it must have made DK laugh and just break the tension Can you, can you imagine what so it would great. be like? We, We've had this conversation in the past. So I can remember great. asking Brady Henderson, like, if you could live a day, a week, in somebody Ugh. else's body, trade spaces, trade places, right? And it was, at that time, Cam Chancellor. Yeah, like, that'd be kind of fun. Can you even imagine <laughs> DK Metcalf, like, walking around, you know, at T-Mobile, like, hey, Moto Pizza, I'll have, have four it. of them. I think, yeah. He does that right. sometimes. I think I'd be worried that, like, <laughs> I would pop a muscle at any point, like... Like like Tariq Woolen walking onto the practice field. Oh my right. knee! Like down I go. Like you know, I think I've told you before when I was a when I was a uh, valet years ago. There was this guy who used to come in sometimes with his uh, with his Lambo. Oh yeah, and I wouldn't get in it. No, it's like I don't want to touch that thing. Like I put cones around it for God's sakes. Like yeah, you keep your keys, leave it up front. I'll put these cones around it. I'm not going near it. And he'd always tip very nicely afterwards, which was great. But like. I don't. I think if I walked around in DK's body, I'd be afraid I'd pull something. I don't know. I could see you heading right to the Y, oh, right just to eating? the YMCA. Oh, no, 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 no. Dunking. Oh yeah, That'd just be going fun. right down to the or the outdoor park, basketball hoops down at Renton down or somewhere. Yeah, and just be like, oh, yeah, I'm like, gonna take my shirt off. What is it like to elevate like that and <laughs> yes. just keep going? Yes. That would be so crazy to actually experience. I think I would just spend time looking at like my arms and being like. Man, I can almost see through my skin. It's stretched so tightly against the muscles that there's almost not enough of it to go around. What an unbelievable athlete he is. Let's do some Blue 88. This is Brock and Salk's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, Brock, I'll make sure to notice Anthony Bradford today. More like the way he was hitting the sleds when she watched him, so I'll make sure to check him out. He's next on our list here as a fourth rounder. We've been going through all the Seahawks, new, new, new guys, all the draft picks, and what they need to do to adjust. What will be the biggest adjustment for Anthony Bradford, the offensive guard? Yeah, it is not going to be about that power, man. That, that you, you will sense that. You'll probably hear that. Right, there's going to be some oohs and ahs, and you could probably hear that that sled creak a little bit in some of those pads, because like Drago, whatever he hits, he destroys, and he is a powerful, powerful man. His adjustment is all all going to be about pass protecting. His adjustment is going to be about that interior quickness. Now he does not have a John Randall that he's got to deal with, and I've told this story once. I've told it a hundred times after that rookie mini camper. What we used to have back in our day, uh, you know, just just mini camps all for March and April and May. You know, Steve Hutchinson, who was uber uber talented, and by the way, helped the Seahawks and consulted and consults with those guys and helps them in their evaluation. And I'm sure Steve Hutchinson would would be nodding along, going, "Yep, yep, this dude's got power for days." But does he now have the eyes and the feet? 
you'll hear QBs, right? You'll hear all of these scouts and Trent Dilfer kind of started with the whole Elite 11. Can you connect your eyes with your feet? You know, and you'll see QBs do drills like this all the time, Saul, because they work through their progressions. You'll see it today on the field with Drew and Gino and the other young QBs. You always want your eyes and feet connected. You don't want them to separate, right? Oh, oh I'm whipping my head around all the, oh, but I'm not ready to throw because my eyes and my feet aren't connected. I think many times those interior offensive linemen have got to do the same thing. All the tackles do as well. And can you connect your eyes to your feet? And making sure, man, your feet get in front of Aaron Donald. Your feet get in front of Fletcher Cox. Your feet get in front of some of the people that you've got to block in this division. Mm. So that will be the sole question. His horsepower, his manpower, his moving people off the line, no issues whatsoever. And Damian Lewis and even Phil Haynes are going to look at him and go, that dude is a monster. But now can you stay in front of these pass rushers? And can you be adept enough in the in the protection game that you can play. Yep. And uh, that will be the big question for Mr. Brown. All right, question number two. Kenny McIntosh, right? Last pick of the Seahawks in this draft, but a guy that everyone seems to think has a real potential role ahead of him this year. What intrigues you about Kenny McIntosh, the running back out of Georgia? Where was Chris Carson drafted? I'm trying to remember. Seventh round? Yeah, yeah he, was, he was down there, right? Seventh round, seventh round running backs. Been Is he there sixth before? rounder, sixth or seventh? No, I kind of. He was seventh. They're both seventh okay, rounders. Good. Yep, God's number, seventh round, number seven. <laughs> Man, they, 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 again, the Seahawks yesterday wasn't open to the media as it is today, as Saul Gamora and a lot of eyes will be down there watching. So the Seahawks yesterday kind of do their sneak peeks, right? And they highlight some of their different guys. And as I said to you earlier, Devin Witherspoon got to watch him move. And then it was Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield. I'm trying to think of a, of a back that they have had that truly has been an equal receiver as rusher. Well, they got that guy out of, remember they had the guy from uh, Buffalo who was here for a little while, Fred Yes, yeah, he was a Ta- lot Fred old. Taylor? Fred, Fred, Fred He was, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He was He was old by the time he was he here. He was old. But he was a really C- good receiver. CJ Prosize yeah. was, I remember out there as a rookie and watching him, like, wow, yeah, because he did a bunch of it collegiately He was as a well. wide receiver. Yes, so he would be, he would be the one that just makes it look as effortless. So McIntosh yesterday is running wheel routes and different routes out of the backfield. And and you just see, like, this guy is is adept at receiving the ball. And that's not always what Pete, I think, asked of the scouting department. What he wants first and foremost is what they got in the second round the last two years. And that's somebody that is going to gore you. Someone that is, just has a, a, a contact level that is violent, right? I mean, the Marshawn Lynch is the, what he has looked for traditionally is some of that just straight physical presence. And they drafted to that. But then late, and ProSize was a little bit later, third round, and obviously mm-hmm. this guy in the seventh round. But just, you'll, you'll see today. You're going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that is. <laughs> he makes it look really easy. Ken Walker is capable. Charbonnet's capable. This guy is. He does it. This guy is fluent. <laughs> By the way, Fred in, Jackson. There you go. Fred Jackson, Fred the name I was Jackson. looking for. The year before he was here, he had 500 receiving yards in well, Buffalo. And this kid had over 500 receiving yards. He and Deuce Vaughn, the only ones in college football with 500 rushing, 500 receiving. Pretty impressive. And it's not one of those, oh, you know, there's a lot of check downs. No, no, he's running routes and making it look easy. Pretty cool. All right, question number three. Top five quarterbacks of all time. Brady's one. Montana's two. Elway and Manning probably in some way three or four. And four. Who's five? A lot of folks starting to think 
put Mahomes' name in there right now. Wow. Who's the, who is the debate against? Oh, there's a lot of them. I mean, you can go back to the old days, obviously, and and, and so I'm talking more 70s. In and your on, lifetime, right? I'm not talking yeah. Johnny Unitas. I didn't get to see Johnny U. He was, he's got to be up there. He's Marino? on a lot of people's list. You've got Favre, you got Rogers, you got Marino. I think those would be kind of the next in line that he is mm-hmm. that he is battling with. And I mean. I know Favre kind of changed the position, and the Mahomes watched the Brett Favres, right? And, and a lot of you know that this era of just creativity came from watching that guy play the game. But Mahomes has done it at such an unbelievably efficient level. Yeah, I mean his touchdowns, the interceptions, his completion percentage. You know, now he's won two Super Bowls and he's been to three. Aaron Rodgers has done it for eighteen right, years. Let me so ask you a- this question. I think I put in Mahomes. Like let, if I let had me ask to you this put question. You got the name one, you right got, now. You're, I put you're down four. Your team gets the ball with with a minute and a half Mahomes. and a timeout. Mahomes. You can have Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Patrick Mahomes, or Dan Marino. Who do you want? I think I take Mahomes. I think I do. All right, you've got a whole season to play. Who do you want? I mean, Aaron Rodgers in his prime is pretty good. Damn, Marino in his prime is pretty good. But he was pretty good, too. I think it might be Marino. Yeah. I think over a whole season it might be Marino. You put me in that spot, though, where I need one drive. Yeah. I don't know. It's either Mahomes or Favre. There's just something about Favre as much as I hated him. Like, he would just... I put. Favre, I think I might put some of those guys ahead of Peyton. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, I know... Like, Ma- like Mahomes strikes me as one. Peyton in the clutch? Man. Mahomes strikes me as one. And this is in, in, in all of these guys. It doesn't matter the supporting cast. Go ahead and put, like, you could put Mahomes on the Houston Texans. Right. This year. And it'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, they're a playoff team. Like, the, the, he is just going to make absolutely everyone better. And then he's got the creativity where a Marino, Favre had some of that in his era, had unbelievable charisma and creativity. But I think I'm putting with three Super Bowls and winning two of them. I think I'm putting Mahomes already on that list. Man. All right, here's my top five, Brock. That's ever that's uh, Blue 88. My top five would be Brady, Montana, Elway. Those would be one, two, three, and I don't think that I would be able to dispute that 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 ranking. Number four, God, it's hard. I, so bear in mind, I really don't like most of the rest of this group. I don't like a lot of these guys. Number four for me, I think, would be Marino. Mm-hmm. I think it would go Marino, Favre, Mahomes Manning mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think that's and that's I know it sounds like it's a shot at Manning but I, I think you could make a case that because of you know the issues in the clutch etc I know Marino never won championships but his defenses were awful mm-hmm. his running games his offensive line I mean like he had so many issues around him I think that would be my list but I if I were to come back to it I, I might do it a different way mm-hmm. so you go Brady Montana Elway Manning yeah Mahomes? To me, to me, because of what Peyton did in Denver, yeah. not only what he did all those years in Indy, like he could have gone anywhere and led team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, he just had that kind of that kind of command. So I, I think I'd have to put him there, and then he it really sort of becomes limped along to that Super Bowl. I mean, he got beat did. in the Super Bowl where he was playing well. Like he had a vertebrae sticking out of his I, neck. I'm aware. He turn. Thank you. Remember the professor <laughs> thanks, told thanks us for he reminding me. His arm. Hey, uh, we're hearing a lot of different stories here about the Jerry Rice thing. So he did wear number eighty. Some people saying it was Bob Witsit. Others saying it was um it was uh what's his name uh uh Tim Ruskell Tim Ruskell saying that that basically one of them told 
Jerry that Largent said it was okay yeah. and wanted him to wear it and yeah. told Largent that that Jerry wanted to wear it and didn't tell uh, the others that what uh, was happening one of those. and like sort of like tricked <laughs> them into it happening. There's also apparently a story that Jimmy Graham asked for the oh. opportunity to wear number 80 and Largent mm-hmm. was like, uh, mm-hmm. no, we're all good here. Thanks. <laughs> no, not going to happen. All right. Coming back here in just a minute. Are we going on the pitch clock? Are we going to be put on it's the pitch, pitch clock today? It's pitch clock time. Have we been talking too much? Is it time to get put on the pitch clock? It's pitch clock time. All right, Brock. We've we've run. Well, our... We're practicing because when you talk to Depoto, that's right. Your answer, your questions and answers have a tendency it's to run. Brock. So they're going to be short. Oh, that's yeah. a Brock oh, thing oh, for oh, sure. Oh. All right, so we're getting put on the clock next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten salesports.com.